Bungor kal pakas teu kan langris. Kieu sen le kerlingu e sen le persu ki kerantsoi. Welcome to Con Langry, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. With me down the road away is William Annis. Hello. And over in California, we have David Peterson. My old frenemy, George Corley. <laughs> now, I have never done anything wrong to you, right? So, as, as some may or may not know, I have a, a YouTube channel where I do YouTube videos now. They're of poor quality because I don't know anything about recording videos at all. And I don't care to learn anything about it either. Um, so they're going to keep on being of poor quality. Deal with it. Anyway, so I did one video on um, ad positions because I got a terrible question on Tumblr that was uh, something like, how many prepositions do you need in a language? Uh, I, I, I worked with that. Um, and, uh, and I, George, I assume, unless it was William reblogged this episode, uh, where I said, you know, new video, uh, that came from a question somebody asked and he added the comment, just the beginning of what you should be thinking about for ad positions, case and locative expressions. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that comment. Hey, I'm, now. I mean, I said as much in the video. I did. Right. 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 But, uh. Yeah. Got my eye on you, Corley. <laughs> I don't think it was me. <laughs> no, I don't. William, did I even add you as admin on the uh, on the Tumblr? I don't think so. Of course. But we can worry about that later. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> yeah. But oh, but first, uh, con- congratulations on uh, on on coming this far with the whole fatherhood thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and to you too, congratulations on being more or less coherent with the lack of sleep you must both be dealing with. Yeah. Oh no, I get I get plenty of sleep. It's just between the hours of five and twelve. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, it's good. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, six months is okay. Six months is okay. Are you at four? Hmm. Are, are uh, you? At- she's over five now. Okay. Okay. So you were closer than I thought. All right. Six months is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think if I'm looking back, three three to four months was the worst. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it it's uh it got bad for a while. She's starting to eat solid food now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's good. No, no, that was a big difference. She loves her oatmeal. Hates hates zucchini, peas. Uh, what was the other one we tried? Green beans, I think. And they're fresh too. Just uh, she's tolerated the carrots. <laughs> Uh, uh, our daughter loves oatmeal too the baby oatmeal yeah yeah anyway enough baby talk let's uh, (laughs) we we can we can uh save that (laughs) another show (laughs) i look forward to uh, discussions of their developing language skills in future Mm -hmm. episodes yes yes Uh, Uh, actually i will say something really quick aaron had a a marvelous insight so she says that all the time and we figured that the reason there's universality with that being the word for mother is not because there's anything special about it. It's because it's the first word that children are saying, and mothers think that they're 
calling for them. Right. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's actually the theory that the, the ma and ba are the first syllables. So parents just say, okay, those are. <laughs> that's me. That's me. Self-obsession of parents. Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, anyway um, we did not come to talk about babies. Um, is your baby babbling already? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Maria is not quite babbling yet. But anyway. Uh, you know, just, uh, sorry, another little language bit. I hear that's more common with language uh, babies that are raised bilingually. Oh, like so, they babble later? Yeah. Um, in fact, a lot of the language goals come later. But then, of course, ultimately, they're uh, they're the better for it. They yeah. they do They do catch up pretty quick, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so moving along. <laughs> we brought David on yet another time to talk about yet another one of his languages. Uh, today we're going to talk about Trigetisleng. 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 Okay. Yeah. I get the stress on that always. Is it always initial stress in Trigetisleng? No, nah, it's basically the stress is where you think it would be if it were an English word most of the time. Most uh, of the time. Most of the okay. time. But so, yeah. very quickly, you... David created Tree Get a Sling for um for a TV show called The One Hundred, which I just found out today is very, very, very loosely based on a young adult book series. Well, the book wasn't written really uh, yet. Yeah, the yeah. book wasn't written yet when they did the TV series. Yeah, so. but this is the funny thing is it's easier to sell stuff in Hollywood that is uh, that is an adaptation than it is for an original idea. And so all they had was, I think, a sample chapter, and they just said, "Look, it's a sample chapter of this this show. It's going to be about you know this book is going to be about this. Uh, it's going to feature teens and space." And they said, "Well, as long as we say it's based on something, go for it." <laughs> so maybe that's the reason why um, you know I look at the 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 book synopsis on Wikipedia and see, okay, this has like almost nothing to do with what I watched on in the, in the series. Yeah, I know. Not at all. It's, yeah. it's kind of funny that way. <laughs> but anyway, um, the idea is in the, in the TV show, this takes place a hundred years in the future. 150. Uh, 150. Okay. So, uh, but it's a hundred years after a, a nuclear hon- holocaust, like a uh, 97 years after it. Right. Yes. Um, and Trigeta slang is spoken by a uh, group of uh, people who are um, who uh, have basically are survivors, the descendants of survivors that live on the surface. And there's uh, you know another group that's up in space that we're that the series mostly focuses on. And then another group that's, and, and, you know, they send some teenagers down to the planet to see if Earth is habitable again. And then there's another group that's stuck inside a bun- bunker in Mount Weather, uh, yeah. Virginia. So, um, that's the basics. Uh, before we actually get into, uh, I want to, David, talk to you about a little bit of more about that background, but, uh, when we were talking before the show, you said there, w- there was something interesting. I know we've gone over how people get hired to do, uh, conlangs for TV, but you said there was something interesting about what happened this time that you'd like to share. 
Yeah, so I was working on a show on the CW called Starcrossed um, at the same time that The 100 had its first season come out. Uh, so I wasn't working on the show during season one um, and presumably w- would never have. But uh, in between seasons one and two, um, I, I was asked to, to join the, the show. And it was a bizarre series of conversations where I got the distinct impression that um, the people who were talking to me, the ones who were in charge of the show, did not actually think up the idea to hire me and didn't actually know why I was hired, which was very peculiar since it was their show. Um, I found out later that the reason that I was hired was that there's a guy named Mark Pitowitz uh, who's in charge of all of programming at the CW. He basically told them or suggested to them that it would be a good idea if their grounders spoke a different language and that they, they should hire me. And so they did. Um, but then they, when they were coming to me, they were basically asking me, all right, how can this possibly work? <laughs> because if you watch the first season of the show, there are a few grounders towards the end. And they all speak perfect English. Right. So, yeah, I, I we kind of had to figure that out between seasons one and two and try to figure out, all right, how can we get a new language and how can we possibly justify it? And uh, and I, I did my best. That's really interesting to me that someone up in the station is like, this is important enough that we should keep finding work for this guy. I mean, obviously that's good for you, but it's interesting that his thought was, well, you know, if we can't use the Conlanger on the show that we just canceled, maybe we should put him someplace else. Uh, That is one option. But another option is that he didn't even know that I was working on another show on the CW. Okay. You know, maybe he just watched Game of Thrones and liked it. it, (laughs) It's a possibility. I don't know. I've never, I've never discussed it with him. Um, But, uh, uh, that that is also one option as well. Um, and I thought, well, that was that was nice, but um, but yeah, no, I I really do wish I could have been there during season one. I think things could have been I, I, as perfect as I could have made them, you know, given the, the sci-fi nature of the show. Um, but uh, since then, we've just kind of been you know uh, plugging along, doing our best. Right. So. so- what justification then did you come up like how did you decide that it would work yeah work in a manner of speaking so right. um this is the best i could do first of all the, the so the reason i said 150 is that the 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 big nuclear war is supposed to happen like 50 or so years from now mm-hmm. um so that's that's when kind of like the timeline starts the 100 years starts so then they're all up in space Apparently, people survived on the ground, um, which, you know, I'm not 100% sure how. I'm not really a big science guy, so I don't quite get, A, how people survived not in a bunker, and B, why people in a bunker can't survive now if they leave the bunker. Oh, well, okay. Let's let's just say there is some some really terrible science in, in the show. But, from my perspective, but you know, so you have to hold your nose a little bit at, uh, at the show, if in my opinion. But uh, okay, it's entertaining so, anyway. So let's, but but saying that people did survive, yeah. What I assumed is that 
um, uh, society as as we know it nevertheless collapsed. Mm. That means there's no more governments, there's no more institutions at all. Uh, there's just a kind of a bunch of uh, broken down um, old buildings. And then there's got to be a period, and, and this is, again, where my science is a little shaky, where I'm not sure myself. There's got to be a period where people can't really go outside for a while, um, yeah. I assume. <laughs> I don't know if that's five yeah. years, 10 years, 50 years. I have no idea how long that period is. But, I mean, you know, it'd be one thing if there was just like, you know, um, you know, uh, society was destroyed, but there were some people that survived and they can nevertheless go outside and work together to, to, to make things right again. Um, uh, another one, if there's a lot of times where people are having to really stay out of sight and, and hopefully breathe some breathable air. Plus, you, uh, I assume you also got people dying left and right afterwards, even if they didn't die from the blast. Um, life expectancy has got to be plummeting here. Yeah, so, radiation so, poisoning, uh, all sorts of um, environmental havoc. Yeah. Starvation. Even, yeah, starvation, yeah. Um, and then just sickness and illness. So um, so what I figured is this. Uh, if people have survived this long, there has to have been um, some sort of a group that survived. It's not just going to be like, oh, there were just... Uh, random pockets of people literally everywhere that survived. It'd be more like there was one group that was very successful in getting people uh, what they need in order to survive for as long as possible. Um, and they basically banded together. So I invented a fiction that's never been formalized in the show, but that basically I just, I, I said to the writers, here's an idea I have. And we kind of went with it. I don't know if it'll ever appear in the show that, Whatever this group was, that there was one group that was more successful than the others, um, they decided that it was kind of a, you know, a live and let die scenario. And so they wanted to invent a way to be able to tell right off the bat if, uh, if basically if people were friends or not, if they were part of the in-group or not. And so they invented a code, um, and like not a language, but a code where they just started uh, changing out words, really common words, um, so uh, that they would be able to very easily identify if somebody knew it or somebody didn't. Um, and so but some of these... Was, it was similar to sort of a thieves' camp in that way, right? Yeah, sure. yeah. So And like some of this was with uh, lexemes. There was a lot of stuff with lexemes. And then uh, another one, um, because uh, I was... I forget if I was asked to do this or if I or if I, I I came up with the idea to do this so that there would be no similarity to um to uh, uh, common English based based creoles. Uh, one of the ideas was to get rid of the pronoun me. So this wasn't a natural evolution that that's I in all positions. It was a conscious choice so that because it's something that is really easy to do if you're thinking about to just say I in all grammatical instances, but it's something that a native English speaker would never, ever, ever, ever do, not even just by accident. Um, so it's the type of thing where uh, if you knew about it, you could do it, and you could do it pretty regularly, but if you didn't know about it, it would be really easy to spot the person who's not a part of the in-group. So that was my fiction that there was this group that came up with this thing. And, um, and you know, it, it had kind of a, a limited vocabulary that people started using. Uh, the next part was that I, I, I theorized that 
there would be more generations in this 100 years than there would be in, say, a 100 years from now with if society maintains itself more or less the way it's been doing. Because um, uh, life expectancy is shorter, and a lot of, especially the older people, are going to be dying out a lot earlier uh, just due to the various uh, environmental factors. Uh, and so the idea is that the the English itself is going to be evolving a little bit faster because um, it's basically more younger people, more innovations. The innovations stick around longer because there aren't enough people to kind of like, you know, beat them out of, of the younger crowd. So there was some phonological evolution and also some of that phonological evolution triggered morphological evolution because I got rid of word final um, consonant clusters. Uh, and those are super important when it comes to things like plurality and tense. Right. Um, and so then that triggered some other uh, morphophonolo- uh, morphological changes. Uh, syntax is mostly the same. And also there is just a lot of innovation. I think uh, once people got used to the code, uh, there are certain things that they just liked. And so they came up with new words and stuff. So that was my justification for how you could get something that, is more or less basically a very similar to modern English, colloquial English. That's still very, very different and has some words that are radically different because there was no way we could do it if all the words were the same. It wouldn't be different enough. It had to be just different enough. And that was my justification. Right. Now, um, just moving off on that, you do see in the series uh, maybe that this this idea that this was originally a code to identify the in-group sort of survives on uh, and influences things because, like, the very first Trigetus thing you hear is one of the 100 people from space who landed having to practice speaking Trigetus thing in order to, like, fool people, right? Right. Um, so... I guess it's still being used in that way, but the warrior class in that society still maintains English. Yeah. And then like everybody's a warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, that, and that was, that was the, I'm sorry. That was the one thing I missed. The other fiction is that I said the warriors had to maintain their fluency in English so that they could still understand everybody in Mount weather. Um, who before there were all these people that came from the sky, the people in Mount Weather were their big antagonists. Um, you know, they, they had to trade with them because uh, they've got resources and stuff. Um, but also they capture the grounders and do experiments on them and do awful things to them. So it, it paid to be able to still understand them. Um, but at the same time, it's not like they were teaching the grounders or anything or, or sharing any of their major cultural advancements. So that was uh, that was another part of the fiction. Uh, it's just that so many people, I mean, so many of the grounders just speak English. It's it's tough. It would be nicer if most of them were just treated as slang only. But yeah, you can only do so much. And then of course in this, and then the other thing is that they have a great big city, which we see in season three. Um, and so that that um, it taxes credulity a little bit. Um, because they do have some sort of a society. Um, they could even have schools and, and things like that. But um, 
Of course, there's also no motivation for them to totally switch over to English, I guess, if they if they prefer to get a slang. I, I imagine that if, like, you know, at some point in time in the future, everybody gets together and the Sky Crew gets together, they all get together, it, um, you know, they'll, it'll actually just all melt back into English with just some holdovers. And then there will just be old people, like, doing, you know, Trigetta slang. Yeah. Theater. <laughs> And, yeah. and preservation societies and revival societies. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, 50 years, it'll all be gone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. So uh, now I know why it was forever until you actually heard any Trigetisling, Trigetisling. I, I never realized that before. And then now you, you tell me that you were hired in in the second season, I'm like, oh, okay, this yeah. is why, you know, it's not until a little bit into the second season that we start hearing this this language. At least you didn't have to retcon anything that some director's assistant came up with in the spur of the moment. That is true, yeah. And, and it actually helps that, um, I mean, this is an a posteriori language based entirely on English, because I, I think that um, just intuitively... Uh, you know, the writers get it. It's like, well, you can't just make stuff up. Like they, they can try to make stuff up actually, but they, they're not just making up random strings. They're using English, you know? And so sometimes they come up with something good, sometimes, uh, not so much. Um, but you know, at least they kind of know how to go about it, which is, which is nice actually. Do, so, right. It's based on English. Some of the actors for the two seasons that I watched the show really it doesn't it's it's uh, similarity to English is pretty straining to pick up sometimes. Mm. Um, are people playing that up on purpose? Are people do people know the English source for the dialogue you're giving them, or are they looking at this like they might look at Dothraki, which is it, just like here's some foreign stuff I have to mouth. That was actually really interesting as well. And it's been fascinating for me um, because both just actors and also writers, um, some people really get it and some of them don't. Uh, and it's like, like, uh, for example, um, uh, Nick Kelsey last, last season, season two, he was the, uh, he was the, the, the script uh, coordinator. Like he got it. Like, he would just look at it, and it was like, oh, this, this is basically English. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, he totally got it. But then others would look at it, and, like, yeah, they would look at it like it was Dothraki, something totally out of this world. One um, one decision that may have led to that was how to write it. Um, I, asked, uh, I asked him at the very beginning, I said, you know, I can write this in one of two ways. I can write this using English words everywhere possible and where it isn't, you know, maybe using, um, you know, apostrophes and stuff. So like no ing, but, you know, put like a little I in apostrophe or things like that or, or you know, change something that's uh, change a longer vowel sequence to to an A because it lo- it sounds like that. I said I can do that so that all of the actors will look at it and see how it's English. Or I can come up with a very uh, regular romanization system uh, that might obscure the English, but where everything, all the characters would be pronounced the same. And I said, for a project like this, I can see doing it either way. And so I, I just threw it over to the writers. I said, what do you think? 
what do you think would be best? Um, and they decided on the romanization system uh, because they said they thought it would make it appear more um, foreign to the actors. And they were right, but not for all of them, only for some of them. Um, and so, yeah, some of them really go after it like this is some far out, you know, crazy language that they've never heard of. And like, and it's a surprise to them if they come across something and say, oh, hey, that sounds like an English word. <laughs> Whereas, you know, others are looking and say, okay, this is just basically kind of a, a little phonetic way to just do some modern colloquial slang English. And they deliver it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, I, I have not been able to figure out uh, what the difference is. That is, you know, who's going to take to it that way and who isn't. Um, but it's very interesting. Uh, it, it's it's a little it's a little baffling to me how like just when you hear it because I pronounce all this stuff on the MP3s, how just when you hear it you don't hear the English in it, but some people don't. Oh. When I when I uh, am watching it, you know, I know offhand already that this is this is future English of a sort, but mm-hmm. you know, I can pick up a lot of words, but I can't pick up. Everything. There's always things that are mysterious to me. So, mm. so I can see how it can go either way, depending on how you're thinking about it. Um, right. When from, I was going to say, from a fan perspective, I wonder if people would take to it as much if it were, in fact, you know, by canon spelled approximately like English. Because I know people get tattoos in this language. Yeah. And I wonder if some of the appeal would be lessened if it looked more like English. That's an interesting question. I have to think you would be right. I think so. It might. They might look at it and say, "Well, that's not a language. It's just English." Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's basically true. I mean, it's. I have always said this has got to be the easiest language for an English speaker to learn on the world. You know, in the entire world, if uh, if you count it as a separate language, um, which I guess it kind of is. I don't know. It's it's on the border. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's not. It's not totally intelligible to me. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, before we get into more technical things, I had one question that's been sort of uh, gnawing on my brain. Where so Trigeta slang, the the people who speak Trigeta slang, where they live, we know we live. They live sort of Northern Virginia, DC area. Yeah. Right? Um. Did you, when you were making the language, did you do any thinking about or research about, like, what's the local dialect, where this show is taking place, and, like, you know, extrapolating from that at all? Yes, I did. Unfortunately, um, all of the speakers on the show, I mean, these most of them are Canadian, and then some of them are, you know, Australian uh, or, or British, like the, the native uh, Trigeta slang speakers. And so, like, first of all, like, when they speak English, I mean, they're not, <laughs> they're not doing the Virginia accent. They, they don't sound like Virginia people. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, you could, I don't know, it's 150 years later, so maybe it changed. But um, I, I, tried, uh, I tried my best to, uh, when, it, when it came to the sound changes, to reflect uh, the, Virginia, uh, the Virginia accent. And I, I used some Virginia slang there. Um, and, uh, but it doesn't come up a lot. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think I've even, I have to look, but I am not a hundred percent sure that I've actually ever gotten to, to use a word 
that ends uh, that has the the oil sound in it, you know, like O I L, um, which comes out, you know, as ol in in right. Virginia. Oh right. yeah. So I haven't got a chance to throw that one in yet, but I'm I'm waiting for it in case we're. I did I did see like the only thing I ever saw was that you apparently have a descendant of y'all in the oh, yeah. system, but that's that's a pretty simple thing, and that's something that's spreading out from the south. So yeah, and and also there was something else I I really wanted to do, but um. I got a little pushback from it in the beginning because when I, I created my first version of Tree Get a Slang and showed it to the writers, they like thought it was really cool, but then it was like, there's no way. It's way too different. It's way too different. You have to make it less different than that, which I was a little bummed out about. Um, but uh, one of the things I ended up changing um, was I kept um, the I vowel, which I really don't believe in. I think it'd right. be gone. I think it'd yeah. be gone. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, and it, there's there's plenty of people who monophthize in, in yeah it's just yeah it's it's super common and so uh, you'll actually notice in in some of my vocabulary um, I've actually gotten rid of it in certain places but like I had to keep it with uh, with like because that was one of the first things that they they saw because it was lacked uh, l a k and I right. had to change it back and I was like, ah, oh, man. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I got away with it elsewhere. So like Nat from night and, uh, you know, for a night, night blood is, comes from night leader, which is, you know, Nat leader. Um, so I was able to do that in a couple of places, but not everywhere. It should have been everywhere. Mm, okay. Well, yeah, the, that, that's, that's, I guess a little bit of conlanging by committee. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> always yeah always reality when you're doing art for someone else yep yeah it doesn't matter what the art is so let's um let's actually move along and then and talk a little bit more about sort of interesting grammatical stuff um william wrote this question down but i'm gonna say so there's one thing that you did is that you took existing what we call phrasal verbs in English. Things mm-hmm. like sit down, uh, shut up, uh, all those things where you have like this particle that's like semantic, that's like a part of the verb, but it's a separate word. And you like systematize that into these verbal satellites. And, um, William, you said there's that there's. Seems to be interesting things about. Well, I, I wasn't suggesting there was. I'm just asking. So before mm-hmm. I get on to my question, maybe you could um, talk through your thought process there um, about you know, yeah, right. So uh, this is this is one thing I was really excited about because um, you know I've always thought about like if I were to if I were doing well I've, I've had a number of, of Creole projects that I've done but specifically I've always been I've, I've thought previously about future English and a lot of the things I see you know focus on other areas and I'm like this is this is the most interesting thing that we do right now <laughs> and not only that the 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 meanings themselves it's like the the prepositions are becoming more tied to the verbs than anything else you know where it's not like they even mean anything it's just that you have to you have to when you're learning a verb, you have to learn the verb with the preposition. Um, and so I thought that would be really cool. And so I systematized it. I came up, let's see, what have I got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 
um, eight of them. One of them is a little marginal. You could call it a, uh, you could call it like an adverb, but, uh, but, uh, I got eight of them and they come from the, uh, prepositions, uh, out, down, in, off, up, through, and away. Um, I don't know why I got rid of on, but there was a reason I did. And so, I mean, on, on still survives in like as a preposition on a, uh, but, um, but on never made it as, as one of these satellites. So if it, uh, if it feels slighted, I apologize on, um, <laughs> but, uh, I figured that the way that it would become systematic is, um, if you, if you really lost the connection between what these prepositions started out as, you know, actual functional prepositions, what you might start to do is then just see patterns with how they work with the verbs. And so that's what happened. Basically, up became the generic one. So, um, and this was actually, of all things, inspired by uh, <laughs> Cool Hand Luke. You ever seen Cool Hand Luke? Nope. Oh, God, it's it's an amazing movie, an amazing movie. I really recommend it. It's got uh, Paul Newman in it. Anyway, so, yeah, Paul Newman gets uh, arrested, and he goes to this prison. And um, at this prison, they have this little dialectal thing where uh, any time that uh, a prisoner is asking to do something that is not – that's, like, out of the ordinary, they have to ask their boss, and the way they do it, like, you know, this guy wants to smoke a cigarette. He says, smoking it up here, boss. Or, you know, uh, you know, walking out here, boss. Or, or, or something like that. Where, uh, but most of the time, the generic one is up. Uh, anything that you're doing, it's like up, you know. And so I thought, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And so, yeah, up just became the generic for transitive verbs. If you're doing something, you're doing it up. And then, um, oh, round. I'm missing round there. I should add that to that list. Round became the, the, um, the generic intransitive one coming from something like messing around, fooling around. Uh-huh. Um, and so that those became like the two main ones where it's like, these are the generic, the defaults. And then the rest have, you know, kind of like either they're tied directly to the old lexemes that come from English or they have specific semantic content. Like um, in is more um, experiential based, I guess. Most of the time when you see, when you see in, it has to do with something that, where there's an experience or verb there. Um, uh, you know, way is motion out, uh, through is kind of like, um, I don't even know how to describe that, but, but it's like, a, almost like a, either literally or metaphorically, um, like pushing through something <laughs> to define it with the word it is, but it seems to be like, I know what survive is, uh, kick through, kick through. right? Yeah. Kick through. So that's, that's sort of like you, you, you have to push you have to you have to get through the situation right so yeah that makes so sense to me yeah yeah uh, it's it's just i should have a, a better technical explanation for right, it right right yeah and so um then you know like you know down obvious directional things like that uh clean was the one that i came up with where it's not really a preposition but that was just like uh absolutely totally completely um so a lot of these things have a pair where it'll be the ordinary one is up and then you have and you can also use clean, and it means to do that totally and completely and fully. Um, the thing that I guess was a little um, uh, maybe innovative and perhaps questionable on my part was having these things come regularly after the object, even if the object is bigger than a pronoun. Um, sometimes it sounds a little off to my English ear. 
there definitely is heavy shift. So if the object gets big enough, um, you do have verb, satellite, and then the rest of the object. But for an ordinary size object, even if it's an NP, you usually put the, um, the satellite uh, after the object. And sometimes it sounds a, a little jarring to an English speaker, I think. Hmm. Okay. So you've talked about transitivity. I'm, are there any, or did you spend time worrying about sort of aspect and telicity implications of these final elements? Clean obviously has one. Yeah. Um, not uh, specifically. I mean, again, I'm guided by my English intuition to, right. where, you know, it's like, does this make sense to my English ear? Um, does it work that way? So um, transitivity was important. Um, telicity, that's something where you, I think you'd have to look at it and analyze it and see if it was. I don't have a sense for it just off the bat. Um, but um, I remember transitivity came because I was, I, I was actually thinking of tough piecing where transitivity is marked. Um, right. And it just seemed like this system fit for that. Right. Uh, it, it was like made for that. So, I know. I know um, Tokpistin does this. Do other, uh, I'm trying to think, are other uh, English Creoles, um, do they overtly mark transitivity in the same way or similarly? Is that a preoccupation of Creoles or just happens to be one? That- I think it just happens to be Tokpistin, but don't yeah. quote me on that. But like, I was thinking of, I was trying to think of uh, Jamaican Patois, I don't think does it. Haitian, okay. Haitian Creole is an English base, but I, I don't think it does that either. Right. Um, but this is something that I can actually check. Not now, but later. I will. I'll be interested. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's... <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. Something else? No, no, no. That's, that, that is uh, all really interesting. I kind of wonder if some of the actors thought of it as a Creole and tried to think of other Creoles they're familiar with. Because, like, yeah. like, the very first line you hear when she says uh i like octavia she's like i like octavia it's like she's trying to do a jamaican vowel there i like octavia come sky crew and a gaff go through clean clear not clean well she uh that was marie avuropoulos she actually was like she didn't get it at all at the (laughs) beginning like she didn't understand why we were doing it and and she was looking at us like, but these are these are like English words. Why don't you why don't you write them like that? And so I actually for that very first line I did, um, I did like the little uh, English, um, you know, fake uh, writing uh, for her because she needed that. Um, but uh, that was just the beginning. Eventually she got it. Now I think she's pretty she's pretty good at it. Um, doesn't need help anymore. But uh, but yeah, for that first line, she just she really couldn't wrap her head around it. It was a, a very bizarre idea to her. So that's that reason. Uh, I know that one of the writers was was talking about. I guess uh, she was familiar with Haitian Creole, and so was was bringing it up. So I think a lot of people make that connection, but um, I think that they, they I think that they might not if it were written. Uh, just with English care, although with English words and spelling conventions, um, I think that part of it is the uh, is the romanization system that does that. Yeah, it it definitely adds something to it, and you know, but it adds something by obfuscating 
partly. And yeah. It's, it, and now, even though it's not even ever used in the show, because as far as we know, the the Trico crew doesn't write, and it it would make sense that they might have lost the ability to write. Um, oh. By the way, it is used in the show once. I was totally blown away and kind of dismayed by it. Oh, really? Somebody... It's used. Somebody wrote it. Okay, so there's this scene in season three where they have a map, and they're talking about going to wipe out some ground or village. And on the map, so this is the, the sky people, right? This isn't the grounders using it. This is the sky people. On the, the board is written tree crew the way that we write it for the romanization system. Oh, and I was like, no, no, no. Should have consulted you on that one. <laughs> they're, they're English speakers. They just would have written tree crew. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even uh, in subtitles, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's like off and on. Sometimes they write it with your romanization, or and sometimes they write out tree crew in English. Yeah. Oh, also, apparently I heard somewhere in this in the closed captioning, um, so the, just in the closed captioning, they called uh, Trigo slang Grounder Creole. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I watch with subtitles on Netflix all the time. And yeah, the, the early on, they called it Grounder Creole uh, a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. Um, I've, I've only seen the first two seasons, so I haven't seen, you know, season three. I don't know if. There's differences there, but yeah. yeah. First two seasons pretty good. I like um, it. Moving, uh, getting back to grammar, I really wanted to ask you about this. There's um, this day, like suffix or something. Yeah, and yeah. I have, I, I was looking through your, your Tumblr uh, responses, which, by the way, uh, I don't think there's any documentation for this language other than people asking, uh, you, David, and, uh, this other Tumblr that's a fan Tumblr, uh, Sky, Sky Get a Slang. Uh, oh, they got, dude, they got a, they got a, they got a fan website, TreeGetASlang.info. Oh, okay. So there, there is more there. Okay. Yeah. But I was just going through your your Tumblr responses and trying to figure out what the what is this day, and it seems like it has several different uses. Could you explain a little bit about it? No, <laughs> I'm so. I, somebody, it's funny. Somebody recently asked me about this on Tumblr. They're asking me how it works, and oh my god, it's just like I know when I should use it, and I know when I shouldn't. It's it's kind of like. It's almost it's like, like you have native intuition for this language now. Then you don't even know why you why you why you put this where it where it goes. It's like it felt like it belonged there. It's it's. I mean, the simple explanation is that it is a replacement for the. Um, obviously, it's etymologically it comes from there, right? So you know, tree there would be you know tree there, um, but it doesn't get used in precisely the same way that the gets used. In English, it can be used presentationally, but often not. It's most it's it's best most prototypical usage is referring to something that is actually visible. Oh, uh, you know, so like you know, and just just the way you think about using it in English, you know, like um, 
don't know, I'm looking at all the things around these, and of course I don't have words for any of this stuff. I don't have a word for desk or anything, but like, uh, here, let's, let's see what the first noun I come to is. Uh, shoo! Uh, you know, so, you know, you know, take them, step it out. Uh, so, like, uh, remove or, or get rid of those, those shoes, you know? Um, but it's like you're referring to something that's I- immediately in, in reference. But it's not like, like those shoes. It's almost like, you know, uh, it's, it's not like you're pointing to them. That, there you'd use, you know, those or, or like, you know, you know, Disha or, or, or De. Um, it's just like a light way of doing it, I guess. Um, but you can also use it to just mean the. So it wouldn't be like if you were if you were using it successively, it wouldn't be like you translated it as this or these or those every single time. You'd be translating it as the, because that's where it makes sense. Um, but uh, the, it's moved metaphorically so that it, it can refer to things, not just in immediate view, but like things that somebody uh, who's talking with you should know about. Um, so kind of like the um right. but then but then sometimes it's not used where where we would we where we would use the this this makes sense to me though because you know if you're talking about it translating it as the so a definite article basically mm-hmm. when you go from language to language definite articles go do are present in different places and even you know the english definite article you know us as native English speakers can't probably can't really in depth explain how it's used without doing a lot of extra analysis. I know. Yeah, the um, words. I know. So I have a lot of Chinese friends from China, and China has no definite articles at all, Chinese. And so they make lots of mistakes with the either, either omitting it or using it where it's inappropriate. And I can't explain to them why you should or shouldn't use the there. I just know that they wrote it wrong and I have to correct it when I'm, you know, editing papers for them. Yeah. You know, the worst thing is like these definite articles, they don't even work the same way in the same language. Think about, you know, British people saying how they go to university and how awful that sounds. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm trying to remember within the last few months, I've read, Somewhere how in English and in a few other Northern European languages, um, over the last hundred years, the article continues to spread out and take over more functions. <laughs> Great. So, again, my, my standard rule that grammar is born hungry um, can apply even to very <laughs> old bits of grammar. They'll just keep taking as long as they can. I like that. I like that expression. That's good. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, first it refers to, I mean, there are some languages that are very sensitive to um, determiners on whether or not something is actually visible or not. Um, but I guess yours refers to not just uh, uh, what the, the functional people call recoverable information, stuff that's expected to be known by both the speaker and the listener. Yeah. Well, another one is, David, you speak Spanish too, so mm-hmm. you know how different it is between English and Spanish, how the definite articles yep. are used—it's—it's it's, uh, a long learning learning curve. Uh, yeah, and I learned German too. Like you know, you can use that definite article with people's names in German. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are they doing, man? 
and in Italian, but that has uh, it's kind of marked. You can, yeah. You just in Spanish, you can only do that if it's if there's a title in front, right? No, yeah, you couldn't do that. It, it wouldn't like definitely not the way it happens in German, right? <laughs> um, but speaking about that, did do you have things that are also are sourced from languages other than English? This was a tough one um, because I don't know the area very well, and um, and it's like, hmm, I, I so th- thus far really no. Um, I mean, one thing is I don't know the area. Two, it's an open question in this environment where everybody, like most people, are dead. Um, you know, what are the odds of? a non-English language surviving well enough that it would influence this kind of a future English. And I just don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of iffy. It's hard to say. Yeah, I, I can understand how that's hard to say. I would say, like, I don't know much about Virginia specifically. I think most places in the U.S., you would be safe with throwing a little bit of Spanish in there. But... Otherwise, you'd have to know a lot more about this, what immigrant and and indigenous communities are there, and probably indigenous languages, unfortunately, would be gone anyway. Yeah, um, and only like very large immigrant communities, which is why I say Spanish would probably be safe. Yeah, um, and probably though, just with the lexical, just lexical items. Right, right. Yeah. No, no, no. Grammar is going to be transferred over because yeah. most of those people would be speaking English anyway I'm, at I'm, the time of the the bomb. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm briefly briefly experiencing a sense of loss for a world without tamales. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we we keep getting questions about that. Like, you know, do do rounders have have donuts? Do they have pizza? I'm like, you know, I don't know. I. It seems like you need a lot of equipment to make a donut. You yeah. Need, you need oil. You need a fryer. Where are they getting that? I mean, <laughs> no, it's probably probably most stuff you're not not enjoying anymore. All of our all of our Costco rack of spices. All gone. <laughs> Lots of stuff that needs imported would would definitely be not there. Yeah. Yeah. So you say that needs imported? You say that? No, I'm, I'm. You were just talking about spices. I'm. Like, yeah, no, 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 you, no, no, He's no. asking you a grammatical question. You said needs imported. <laughs> oh, needs imported. Yes. I guess I do. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, you're, you're West Virginia, you know, alien Virginia. So I don't know if that affects, but I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a feature further north, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I could be affected by Wisconsin, or it could just be that... I assure you that is not a Wisconsin thing. That's not a Wisconsin <laughs> thing. Then it it must be... Uh, well, keep in mind when you're talking about West Virginia, like, if you look at dialect maps, there's... there's Most people uh, break it down in a way that there's, like, a dialect boundary that goes straight through West Virginia, so it's... There's hmm. a lot of transitional things going on there. A vibrant melting pot of dialect. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think if I had any other deep questions about Trigenis. Like, nothing is coming to mind at the moment, although surely I will remember something later. 
Uh, oh, well, I, I suppose something that is worth mentioning is the fact that at least from my perspective, per, per, what's the per word I want? Is it perspective or perception? I think it's perspective. Yeah, no, perspective. That is the per word I want. Okay, from my perspective, Trey Get a Slang is far and away my most popular conlang. Really? Oh, yeah. I, Dothraki can't touch it. I, get, I, I can see that just from uh, following your Tumblr, because that's the thing that you are always getting asks about now. Yeah, and I answer like 10% of them. Yeah. It's I mean, not really. Uh, this is the. I don't see you talking to people much about Dothraki or Valyrian anymore. It's all Trigetisling. Yeah, I mean, no, certainly, certainly, Dothraki and Valyrian are, are in you know in second and third place. I don't. Uh, who knows which order? Not but, as much um, though. Yeah, I mean, but and you just... still get some people who want their names in oh, the the defiance languages, right? That, well, no, that's fine. You know, I, I'm the only one that's got the font. So, I mean, and, you know, it's it's going to look different. That's fine. But the people who ask for their names in Trigget is saying, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <sighs> well, I think this is part of the, I mean, yeah, I, for some people, if they're not accustomed to hearing people speak varieties of English other than their own, it's got to come off as a foreign language utterly rather than a variant of English. <sighs> you know, and I mean... Somebody, this is just, I, I won't say the name, but somebody asked, you know, can you use my name in Tree Get a Slang? You know, this is it. Can you tell me how it's spelled? Also, can you tell me how it's pronounced? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it the same way, but. Oh, God. I just. Mm, maybe a little bit of adaptation, but. Maybe, but yeah, there's something going on there I just don't understand. So, uh, but. Uh, well, you know, if people are. What's it? The fans of this show must be very dedicated because surely there are many, many more people watching Game of Thrones than are watching The Hundred. Absolutely, no. I mean, by an order of magnitude, I, I'm certain. But it's you know like the because so many people are watching Game of Thrones, the percentage of people that are interested in the language is super, super small. Right. Um, but not only that, the people that are interested in the language, there's still um, there's still a continuum there. Most people are interested enough. That they will say, "Oh, that's cool. How do you say Khaleesi?" And you know that's that's the extent of it. Um, and then there's a very very small minority of people who are interested in actually learning the language. Um, probably a lot more with Dothraki since there's the book. Um, but uh, I mean, with Dothraki, maybe a hundred or so. With Valyrian, maybe five or six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, really interested in learning it with Tree Get a Slang. Um, they like there's they have fan groups like multiple plural. One of them has over three thousand members. Wow! Yeah, it's it's crazy. They're they're actually uh, working right now to put um, together a proposal on Duolingo, um, which I mean, you know, I, I think that's uh, I think it's great, but. Um, there is a there's definitely a more concerted effort amongst that community to learn it and to use it and just more activity around it, more people asking questions about it. And I figure that there are 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 uh, a few reasons for this. One, of course, is that uh, the 100 is you know uh, it it's uh, it's um, target demographic is younger than a Game of Thrones. Um, 
But, you know, that was also true of something like Starcross. So, of course, it has to be a certain level of popularity. Right. I mean, the 100 isn't as popular as Game of Thrones, but way more popular than something like Starcrossed. Um, and then the, uh, the next factor is that it is basically English, so it is super easy to learn, <laughs> you know? Yeah, if, that's, if you, that's a... Yeah, if, all you, if you're just an English speaker, you know, it's, it really repays uh, putting a little bit of effort into it because, like, what? Yeah, a few weeks, you could probably be right. fluent in it, you know? Um, so I think that that is what's really boosted it so much. But it, for me, it's been rather, you know, surprising but also kind of fun. Because honestly, like, if you look at, at uh, at Paul Fromer and you know he's doing things where like they have two av- uh, uh, not V conventions a year and they're flying them all over the place and he's got people writing to him in his language and you know huge fan community it's like that didn't happen until now uh, for me nobody was really that interested in or as interested in in Dothraki or Valyrian to do that kind of thing whereas like I could imagine there being a Trigatislang convention. Um, sure, yeah. sure. This is this is what I call a, a fan shibboleth, where uh-huh. maybe people, lots and lots of people who hang out at something like the Not Me meetups or hang out on the LearnNotV.org website, maybe learn a little Not V, but mostly as a sh- sign of sort of fan membership, fan solidarity, and identifying with the sort of you know kind of obvious um, environmental and native rights message um, mm-hmm. that is so strongly present in Avatar. Um, I'm wondering what it is about the grounders that's grabbing the people watching the show. Cause it, it seems like, you know, people want these tattoos, which is like, how about, you know, the ultimate tribal marker right there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how, how fans have decided, you know, how many people are learning the language deeply or how many just want to know a few things to say, I'm part of this group. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty it's 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 pretty cool. Pretty complicated because of uh season 3, but that's an entirely different discussion. Uh-huh. Um yeah, and it'll it'll be interesting to see uh what happens moving forward. It uh, is it is uh very interesting just like that I identifying with them and wanting to get tattoos it's always surprising to me like how many people are getting tattoos of these you know languages of fictional people it's i guess there's people are that much fans i will say i will say this it's not as surprising to me because go go look at all the people that have gotten a tattoo like you know with one of my languages or with any uh uh uh, on it and you ask them was this your first tattoo i guarantee you like 100% 100% of them, it'll be no. Um, That's and, th- true. and this is just a thing I've discovered about uh, people. You either have zero tattoos or you have two or more. Nobody has one tattoo. You know? that's, that's a good point. They, they, it's like, a, it's like they, become, they become addictive. So, uh, um, it's, so I think for people that are tattoo people, it's actually not as big a deal. Uh, if you think, oh, there's this show, I really like it, cool, let's let's get something in the language um, sure. or tattooed. Um, so I don't think it's as big a commitment for them as uh, untattooed people think it is. So, <laughs> okay. Okay, <laughs> so, so I'm one of the, I'm a three-tattoo person. 
Oh. And it would not have occurred to me to get something from a show I really liked tattooed on my body. What about your own languages? If I'm ever going to get a tattooed language, it's going to be Greek, probably. Not one of your conlangs? Come on, man. Not one of my conlangs. I, one, I, I once had the idea of, um, you know, I don't have any tattoos, but I've had the thought of if I were to get tattoos, it would be fun to get uh, tattooed of just the languages that I speak. Mm. Just, uh, just like brand that on my body. <laughs> you can get branded literally george i suspect you want the tattoo rather than the brand. not okay Ooh. yes not <laughs> literally branded but yes put put you know english espanol um uh, when i hung out regularly on um uh, textkit.com which is a, a site for people who are teaching themselves greek and latin frequently people came asking for translations of their latin um again for tattoos. Yes. Yeah. Because Latin, you know, elevates the most banal sentiment. Do not tattoo in a language that you do not speak. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, David helps people. But people can trust David to give them accurate translations. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 make, I make double sure. Um, now, if, I, if they get the tattoo before I get back to them, you know... My my hands are clean there, but right. uh, when I get back to people, I, I make sure it's good. I tell you, man, the best one I've ever seen was I mean, just so amazing. Uh, this girl got a word in Arathian tattooed on her stomach, and it is just so good. I just mm, love it. It's amazing. Arathian lends itself to decorative approaches to writing. Yeah, I like it. I think it looks pretty nice. That's it. It's very pretty. Miss that show. <laughs> <laughs> Should I go back and like watch the rest of that show? Um, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, it, did you're it going end to well or did it just leave off? Uh, it, it ended. It ended uh, very definitely. But uh, I mean, it would kind of uh, really establish your your frenemy status if you just you know casually keep dropping in conversation. Oh yeah, I've been meaning to get back to that. <laughs> uh, all right, David. <laughs> is there is there anything else interesting or fun you would like to share about the language? Well, I'll tell you uh something that I am planning to do. I'm not there yet. But um I swear I cannot keep up with uh I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm making a concerted effort, effort this summer, but I can't keep up with the demand for um, vocab for Trigeta slang. Mm. But something that I am planning to do when I get there, which is soon. Um, right now, it's at um, at least by my my count, it's at 964 words. When I get to a thousand, I'm going to do something that I hope will be interesting to the conlang community. Um, I want to find, and maybe you can help me with this. Um, I want to find a a kind of uh, phoneme uh, frequency thing for English. How many words in English percentage-wise start with uh, each phoneme? And then I want to compare that to Trigeta slang and see if there's any differences. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Would you want, like, phoneme frequency just based on dictionary entries or based on a corpus? Well, that's an interesting question as well. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, you don't have much of a corpus of tree get a sling, do you? So. No. So for this, it would just be... It would just be a percentage of full of uh, dictionary entries, right? Um, so, uh, but for the, I mean, you know, I know what I can provide. I don't know yet uh, what we have for English, so I'm going to be kind of constrained by what I can find because I'm not one of those techie people that can just create one of those things. God, I hate them so much. I would be baffled. And astonished to find that there were not easily findable uh, phoneme frequency lists for different positions for English already. Yeah, that's a, that was my thought as well. I'm In sure fact, there are. Yeah. So I, I almost think I've even seen one once, but I may yeah. be thinking of a slightly different list. Because one thing I, I, want, I really want to be sure it's the phoneme and not the letter. Right. You know, because that's, that's, that's a big difference. Um, and I think the one that I may have seen may have been letter. Um, which is, you know, obviously much easier to do. Sure. Kind of yeah, a, that's easy to find and um, crossword puzzle people like them. Yeah. But I have, I've seen phoneme breakdowns as well. Yeah. Yeah, maybe somebody can, can uh, send something like that. I would, um, here's what my prediction would be, mm-hmm. is that the distribution is going to be very similar. Especially with the at the higher frequency end, maybe at the lower frequency end, you'll have some some interesting things going on. Yeah, that's that's my thought too. Yeah. I, and right now, um, man, S is just leading the charge. <laughs> so many. Um, now, unfortunately, something that I'm going to have to separate out is that, of course, S includes both sa and sha. So I'm going to need to separate that out on my end. Um, part of the reason why it's so big but um but yeah english is a very it's a very essay language all the time mm. <laughs> yes <laughs> okay well uh that's that's an interesting thing uh william did you have any other questions nope um cool uh I, i'm going to link into show notes whatever uh whatever resources we can uh Get uh, oh yeah, treegetaslang.info. Yeah, can you add just add stuff to the show notes like you know communities that you know of that website and such. So yeah, also the mem- the memorized course. Yeah, I know about those. Um, I know that there's a a group on Slack. Yeah, um, great. Right. By the way, David, how you've been on in that group, right? Yeah, how yeah. Do you like Slack. Very interesting. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I like it better than, um, ADM, which is what I use or like IRC, I guess is what that is. Um, you can do more stuff. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and frankly, maybe I, I, we can, maybe, let me, maybe we could talk this about this off recording a little bit because sure. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in it, but, uh, it's not directly related, but you know, yeah. that community, how, how, how good is it then? Um, well, I mean, of course, the the community that this one it's specific, so it's not it's like invite only. So this is all people talking about Trigger Design, and they are absolutely amazing. In fact, they come up with uh, they come up with their own words all the time that they use uh, just amongst themselves because they 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 have like a whole bunch of different channels. One of them is just for them to practice just speaking Trigger Design or, or writing it, um, and they're all they're all really good. 
Um, yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, I'd love to, to jump in all the time, but, um, you know, this baby. I heard that you, like, picked up a few of the words, like, they... Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because that's the one thing. That's the one thing, like, like, if you're thinking about a regular conlang, right? Like, nobody can, I mean, they can try to contribute and stuff, but they're not going to get it. With uh, with something like Trigeta slang, you can rely so heavily on your English in- instincts that um, others actually can contribute and do stuff that I look at and say, yes, that actually works, that fits, that's good. Whereas, like, most of the time, you know, for another conlang, that no, doesn't work. Yeah, that's going to be a lot rarer for stuff like Dothraki, yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I will, all right, then... Um, I, I I will link to information on that, uh, but I will link to all sorts of stuff and whatever whatever links we can find. And uh, yeah, this this is very interesting. And I think you know it's an interesting different route to take when making uh, a uh, a conlang, one that uh, apparently we're kind of forced to go into, but. Uh, <laughs> I think it it turned out some interesting results. Yeah, no, I've been happy with it. Yeah, um, it's so easy to translate into. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You're almost like you you can like speak this language, right? Yeah, almost. I'm better with typing, but uh, almost. Okay, um, William, did you have anything else? Nope. All right. Well, uh, if that's all, then. You're going to say, um, uh, juice drain, juice down, and happy Conlang. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash conlangery. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and on Tumblr now. All of those you just find Conlangery. Our web space is provided by the Language Creation Society. Our theme music is by Null Device. And our new site was designed by Bianca Richards. 